0: hello again and welcome to the wednesday bible study of the book of hebrews at the south edmonton church christ in this video we're going to be taking a look at a very important topic and basically it comes down to the book of hebrews chapter 5 but really the topic is this is just kind of one of the the major times that you get into the idea that jesus is our high priest in fact here in this text he's not just called our high priest he's actually called A great high priest that we have. Um, Now, this we're going to pick up actually at just the tail end of uh, chapter 4 because really that's whenever this topic is introduced, and we're going to go on through uh, the entire chapter of Hebrews chapter 5. So let's dive in together. First off, let's look at this review from Hebrews 4 verses 14 through 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So here at this end of this chapter, you know, after he's talked about this this uh, great rest that we can have in Jesus Christ, then he mentions that Jesus Christ is actually our great high priest. And just in case you're wondering sort of, well, what exactly does a priest do? I mean, you know, that's one of those terms that, yeah, we know that that Aaron was the first high priest, and we know that there was this priesthood that did some stuff with the tabernacle and the temple, and, you know, we we read about it sometimes in the Old Testament. But what is a priest today? What does that really mean for us? Well, in chapter 5, we're going to get into that, so I don't want to get too much ahead of that. But just Kind of be aware that if you're wondering, well, what exactly is a priest? That question will be answered. We'll kind of get into that in in just a little bit. But the Hebrew writer doesn't really explain that at first because um, he's speaking to an audience that he believes they already know um, what the priesthood is about and what the high priest is about as well. But one thing that the Hebrew writer emphasizes here with Jesus is that he is our great high priest because he is our great high priest in verse 14. We should, we must, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess, you know, because of these things, since we have this great high priest. So all of that is related, and, and what Jesus has done for us, being our high priest, it is so important to us. And one thing that we see in verses uh, 15, and then, uh, well, I guess mainly it's, it's really just in verse 15, here in verse 15, we see that the focus is Jesus was a human being. Now, I've mentioned this before, and I mean, I know that we'll kind of continue to discuss this because I believe this is very important. With Jesus Christ, you have a different type of being than what we've ever seen before. Because in Jesus, we have a being who is God, which, you know, okay, we had a way of kind of thinking about God, even though sometimes when we say God, that's like different things might come to our mind. Uh, God is big, he's powerful, he's the creator. And, you know, we, we always think about him as being outside of this creation. Yet in Jesus Christ, what we see is he's God on the one hand, but he's also a human being. And we need to understand that there is this balance between this being that we see of Jesus Christ. And I'm not kind of using the term being in the sense of sort of speaking about him as if he's like some weird thing. He's just unique. And he teaches us something. He teaches us this wonderful balance that God and man together, um, you know, really kind of what God has wanted is he, he wants us to be together with him and to be working and doing all these things with him. Well, in Jesus Christ, we very realistically see that uh, completely working together, uh, man and God, even in one person right there. Um, so th- that's what we need to understand about Jesus Christ. But we do see that he was a human being, like what verse 15 talks about. And he can uh, relate to us. He knows what we're going through. Why does he know what we're going through? Verse 15 tells us that he has been tempted in every way. Now you might've heard that, you know, there's different classifications of, of different temptations and stuff. And uh, yes, uh, I mean, we can get into details with that, if you know, if, if you want to, but for this video, I'm not gonna dive into all of that. Just recognize that this passage, it doesn't mean that Jesus was tempted in every single type of sin. He was tempted in every way to sin, just like what we are tempted. and. You know, the, the different ways that you might be tempted, um, specifically the scenarios might play out different in your life as opposed to my life, and some things that uh, that are more of a temptation for you might be less of a temptation for me, or maybe some things that are more of a temptation for me might be less of one for you. Just understand, that's just kind of part of it, uh, how it works between different humans, and that's how it worked with Jesus Christ too. Some of the temptations might have been more tempting, so to speak, than other temptations, but he was tempted just like we are in every single type of way. However, there is something very different about Jesus. See, Jesus, he didn't sin. Because of that, he is our great high priest. So let's dive in as what this high priest is and and the, the wonderful things that he does for us. Chapter five now. Hebrews chapter five, beginning in verse one. Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God. To offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and, who, uh, and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weaknesses. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins, as well as for the sins of the people. And no one takes this honor on himself, but he receives it when called by God, just as Aaron was. In the same way, Christ did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, you are my son, today I have become your father. And he says in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Um, Some of these things we're gonna dive into and we'll get into more details in upcoming chapters. But for now, we see from verse one, a very uh, wonderful definition that we can kind of work with about what is a priest. Um, We don't need to worry so much about, okay, how does that change between Old Testament and New Testament? In the New Testament, what we find is that uh, many times there's not as much of that distinction as what we we like to talk about today. Here in this case, he is talking to people who are Hebrews. I mean, that's why the book is called Hebrews. So they're people who come from the background of what we would call the Old Testament. You know, they're Jewish people. They're Hebrew people. They're familiar with how the priesthood works. So what does a priest do? Well, a priest right here, as stated in verse 1, is uh, that he's appointed to represent the people in matters related to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. So we kind of see, you know, a few different things as to what he does, but yeah, he represents the people. Well, how does he do that? What, what does he do? Well, he offers gifts. He offers the sacrifices for sins. He does all these things. Now, a typical high priest, what they have to do is, because they're also subject to weaknesses, like what verse two talks about, uh, just as we are, um, they have their own sins. So in order for them to sacrifice for the sins of the people, they had to first sacrifice for their own sins. Then they could sacrifice for the sins of the people. However, with Jesus Christ, it's not that case. Because in last chapter, uh, in uh, Hebrews 4 verse uh, 15, we saw that he was tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. So Jesus did not sin. He does not have to offer sins for his own. um, I'm sorry. He doesn't have to offer sacrifices for his own sins because he doesn't have sins. Uh, What we do see is he is capable of immediately offering up a sacrifice for our sins. What was that sacrifice that he offered? Well, we'll also get into a little more detail of that in the next uh, passage here. But obviously it means his life. Talking about he gave his own life as a sacrifice for ours. Um, And another thing that he kind of gets into here, the Hebrew writer in uh, verses four through six. It's talking about how the high priest was not supposed to be somebody who uh, rose up to power and was this mighty person who was going to, you know, like change everything and all and, and that he appointed himself. That's not how it was supposed to be. It, it's not like um, I can't really think of a good comparison, but it, it's not somebody who's going to rise up into power by their own um, because of their own power. There we are. I guess that's one way of saying it. But yet their power comes from God. The, the high priest power comes from God. Now, I will also state this. If you want to get into more detail about it and if you want to look at the priesthood during the time of Jesus, uh, we do see that some changes have, have taken place in the priesthood. Uh, what the Hebrew writer is talking about is how the priesthood is supposed to be. The high priest is supposed to be one who is called by God and who goes through this process, and it's God who calls him. And that's how it's supposed to be the priest. Okay, that's how it's supposed to work. In the time of Jesus, and also kind of around, give or take a little bit, a few years, uh, either way, um, other people were kind of in charge. The Jewish nation wasn't really its own nation of Israel itself. Um, We know this because, like during the time of Jesus, the Romans were the ones who were in power. Uh, That's why whenever they wanted to crucify Jesus, they had to go to Pilate and say, well, we can't really do it ourselves, so we've got to bring you into this and allow us to do this. So, the Romans kind of had the final say in what took place. Well, because of that, the Romans also, and other people throughout history, they stepped in and they did weird stuff to the high priesthood. They did weird stuff to the priesthood in general. Sometimes the ones who were acting as high priest were not always the ones who were supposed to be acting as high priest. See, the way God wanted it is, he wanted to call the high priest, and they would serve throughout the remainder of their life. However, um, Sadly, a lot of times people and and politics got in the way and they would appoint their own high priest because, you know, that's an important leader, an important role. That's why when you look at the gospels, um, I believe John's gospel gets into more detail about this and kind of mentions it. Uh, You see in two different places that there's two different high priests that are mentioned and actually kind of two different high priests that Jesus sort of is on trial before. And uh, I think mainly john is the one that mentions this i'd have to go back and and look up that specifically Uh, but the reason why he's talking about two different high priests is not because there should be two different high priests but because one of them was according to like political leadership he was the high priest but then the other one was the actual high priest so it's kind of uh i guess you would say that there might be a little bit of tension as to who is the rightful high priest uh, well, technically, not always the guy who is called high priest is really the guy who is high priest. Uh, but that that maybe got way too much into details about the politics, except for the fact of when you look at these verses, it's all about God is the one who chooses these people. And most certainly in the case of Jesus Christ, God is the one who did this. Uh, that's why there's two different passages here quoted, two different Psalms. We have a passage uh, in verse five that is actually a uh, quotation from Psalm 2. And then we see in verse six of this passage here, um, we have a quotation from Psalm 110. So if you wanna kind of dive into a little bit more detail about both of those passages, then perhaps after this video, you might wanna read Psalm two or Psalm 110 and get a little bit more context of, of both of these passages. Uh, but both of these for the Hebrew writer, they're talking about Jesus Christ. They're talking about how he was appointed to be a high priest. Uh, and all of these things are, are important uh, we also are going to later get into the fact that that Christ himself, he's high priest, but he's also king. We recognize that. And for the most part, that wasn't so much supposed to happen because your priests were supposed to come from the line uh, of Aaron, you know, from the line of uh, Levi. And um, in the case of the kings, they were actually supposed to come from the line of David, the line of Judah. Um, But in Jesus Christ, what we see is there's interesting ways that uh, the scriptures talked about priests coming in. In this case, there's a priesthood about Melchizedek, and uh, I'm not going to get into details about uh, Melchizedek in this video. That will be one uh, a couple videos down, and we're going to dive into great detail about who Melchizedek is and kind of see how that relates to Jesus Christ and him being priest. You can rest assured Jesus is our king. He sits on his throne and he is our priest. And because of that, he represents the people. He represents us before God. Isn't that wonderful that we have Jesus as our representative? He is a wonderful representative and he knows what we've gone through. He knows what we go through and he's willing to kind of intervene and mediate between us and God. Let's keep looking because there's more in this chapter. Now, Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7 through 10. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son, though he was, he he learned obedience from what he suffered, and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, and was designated by God to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek um let's take a look at some of these things because i I think that a lot of interesting phrases shows up in this uh in this passage and maybe you might find some other interesting phrases that uh, we might not dive into in this video but this will just kind of give us a little bit of an idea of some of these great things about jesus christ for starters in verse seven we find out about jesus's life here on earth what did he do how did he serve as high priest we already saw from before i'm going to read it again we saw from verse one that the high priest Uh, is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. Okay, so how did Jesus do that and what did he do? You know, I told you earlier that of course we have the sacrifice of his life. But you know what the Hebrew writer immediately gets into? He actually doesn't right here start talking about Jesus giving up his own life as a sacrifice for us. Not so much. That's not where he goes at least immediately. Now he's going to go there. Okay, rest assured, he's going to go there. But right now, that's not the type of priesthood that he dives into about Jesus. The type of priesthood is one that the the second line here in this uh, this text here, in Hebrews uh, chapter five, verse seven, we find out that Jesus offered up prayers and petitions. Well, that's interesting to the one who could save us from death. Obviously, you know that's 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 a uh, God, um, the Father. And here we find out what did he do. He offered up prayers and petitions. Hmm. Well, let me say something I think kind of important to that, and I hope that you don't misunderstand what I'm saying in this. Um, A couple books later, in the uh, writings of Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 2, he's going to, on two different occasions right here, um, call us as Christians a priesthood. He does that in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses. Five, and then again in verse um, 9 he calls us a royal priesthood a holy priesthood um, he calls the people of God a priesthood we're not the high priest we have a high priest and that's Jesus Christ so if we are a priest what does that mean about us being priests what does that mean about perhaps us representing the people in matters related to God to offer up gifts and sacrifices for sins like what Hebrews 5 1 talks about Um, Do we do that? Can, Can we do that? How does that work? Well, notice what Jesus did. He offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears. Can you do that? Can I do that? Can we offer up prayers and petitions? Yes. I'm not taking away from what Jesus did because his sacrifice was necessary. His life was so important. He is the high priest. Don't like, don't tear him down from that position. That is a high position. He rightfully deserves that. Even the angels themselves praise him and worship him for that. However, what he does right here, his goal, uh, his task, that's something we can learn from. And that's something that we ourselves can do too. We can also offer up prayers. We can offer up petitions because we are called to be a holy priesthood, a royal priesthood Uh, with jesus christ and if you notice the things that he does that the hebrew writer is talking about right here are also things that we can do interesting phrase that shows up here in verse seven at the very end we find out that he was heard because of his reverent submission can you have reverent submission i mean jesus himself was the son and he was able to have reverent submission to the father uh what about you and me and we have reverent submission to God the Father. I mean, we, we are children of God. Yeah, we're sons and daughters of God. And we are called to be in submission. Let's learn from Jesus because we can do this. So everything in, in verse seven uh, that, that he is talking about there uh, are things and, and tasks that we can carry on. In fact, I would say that perhaps we should carry those on. I'm not saying I'm perfect in doing this, But I'm saying that that we are called to do that. This is what we should be doing. Also in verse 8, you notice something else about Jesus. It says that, Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Okay, have you suffered? Did you learn something about it? Did you learn obedience through the things that you suffered? Jesus did. And it's also kind of an interesting concept that Jesus could be god but yet he learns obedience yes jesus did we see that time and time again in fact luke's gospel specifically even talks about uh right after jesus has that encounter in the temple whenever he's um just uh, you know 12 years old and all um right after that it talks about him submitting to his earthly parents you know going home and being a, a submissive child uh yeah in a very similar way right here we see that he is learning obedience uh to god Um, If Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered, maybe we should learn obedience through the things we've suffered, different hardships that we go through. Could we learn obedience through those? Could we learn dependence on God? Can we learn submission to God? I believe that we can. In fact, I believe that we should. Another thing that we see here that is so wonderful, and and this in verse 9, is so important that we understand Jesus's rightful place and our rightful place. Jesus himself, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Now, that is one difference between us and Jesus, okay? Uh, Of course, there are several differences, but this is one big one, because he's the high priest, we are a priesthood, you know, we we are priests, but we are not the high priest. He is the one who became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. People aren't gonna be, like we ourselves, aren't going to be a source of eternal salvation for people. No, no Jesus has already done that. He's already fulfilled that. We have to submit to him. we have to work with him uh, in order to to accomplish what he has asked us to do. So that's a little bit of a distinction and an important one as to who Jesus is and what Jesus's role is compared to ours. Once again, I've been telling you time and time again that you know we we will get into this in upcoming chapters uh, how important Jesus' role was, how important Jesus' role still is and you know what all that includes so we'll dive into those things so don't worry too much if you if you think i'm leaving some things uh some questions maybe a little unanswered um that's because later in this uh, book of hebrews we're going to dive into some of those but uh, we got one more uh, final few uh, verses here in this chapter to take a look at in hebrews chapter 5 verse 11 we see the topic switches we're not really talking so much about uh the this high priesthood and even jesus being a high priest but now we find out about the maturity the maturity that um, the hebrew writer wanted from his audience and i believe the maturity that uh, jesus and god still desire and uh, still you know want from us today let's read this together hebrews 5 beginning in verse 11. we have much to say about this but it is hard to make it clear to you because what was stated here in verse 12 is that the audience of the book of Hebrews they themselves by this time should be teachers there should have been no reason why they weren't teachers however they need somebody else to teach them they're the ones that still need that so what about you what about me can these same things be stated about us have we grown as we should because, you know, I mean, I don't know exactly all the different Christians that this book was written to, but I would, you know, probably kind of venture to say they're similar type of Christians of what we find in the church today. And they are Christians who are called to grow, but sometimes they don't. What does that look like? What's, what's the importance of that? Well, the importance is milk is wonderful and it's very necessary for infants in order for them to get the nutrition that they need. However, at some point, they got to start eating solid food. You just, you just can't live constantly on milk by itself. It's not going to sustain you. It doesn't have the, the proper substance. And that's what the Hebrew writer is getting into. These people, they should be teachers. They should be feasting on God's word, not just drinking the milk of it. But they're not yet. They haven't pressed on to maturity. They haven't trained themselves like in verse um, 14 talks about train themselves to distinguish good from evil. That's what it means about being mature, is being able to distinguish those things and also, of course, choose good over evil. Uh, We're going to dive into this in the next video. We're going to look at this in the next chapter especially and notice what does it mean to get the meat of God's word? What what does it mean to mature? What does it look like? And maybe what are um, some topics that need to be addressed? Uh, he's going to address some in the next chapter. We're going to dive into those and we're going to look at them and and see what that means. Uh, Because I believe that there can be room for growth in the church even today. But it's our job to open up God's Word, to read it, to study it, to learn from it, and to be able to distinguish between good and evil. Thank you very much for watching this video, and I look forward to taking a look in the next chapter with you uh, in the next video. So thank you for your time.